Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Ethiopia this time. This is a special podcast. I hope to do a couple more podcasts on top of this one because this is a journey that I've been waiting to take for quite a while. We are right now in a place called Lalabella, which is in the northern part of Ethiopia, and there are these churches that were built more than 900 years ago into the rock. They're the reason I've wanted to come here for so long is because Ethiopia is not really a location that people think of when they think of revival. It's, if you're American and you think of a revival, you might think of the Great Awakening or you might think of Azusa Street. If uh, you are in Asia and you think of revival, you might think of the old areas of uh, Korea before in the, in the 20th century, 19th century, or even China today. But... These churches are the only churches that I know of in the world that are not built with wood, brick, mortar. These are the only churches that I know of that are built out of one single stone. These are monolithic churches that many say angels helped build. I'm not traveling by myself. I'm traveling together with a with a uh, a person that's been writing for Back to Jerusalem for a while. I've asked her to come along to write a little bit about what Back to Jerusalem is experiencing here. We are doing our nine-part video series where we are chasing revival and we're following revival around the world, which brings us now to Ethiopia. So, Anna, we are so happy that you've joined us. You've brought your father along as well. This is his first time that I, I think it's your first time to Ethiopia. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. So I know that you at least read a little bit before you came here. Um, what are you expecting? We haven't even started. We've only arrived at this village. We're sitting in kind of a of a hut. It's a little bit of a clash of cultures. We have this Italian colored. Uh, table uh, spread that's red and white checkered. If you've ever been in any Italian restaurant, it would look like this one. Um, except for we're in a circular hut with a grass roof. It, it, once we arrived, I know that you've read probably a little bit at least. Um, what were you expecting and what's it now look like? Is it according to your expectations or, or what? Well, we're really looking forward to see the churches, but one of the things that, that's so interesting about this is that this, this uh, Christianity here developed without Western influence. And as you said, a lot of the revivals that we know of have, been, have had Western influence or have been a result of missionary effort from the West. Uh, these churches here, uh, the, the Ethiopian Orthodox churches, they have developed from ancient times without that, also in isolation, surrounded by Muslim nations. I would even go as far to say as that they influence the West. 
that the church here in Africa actually influenced the West in the way that their theology was very much indoctrinated into the when Constantine put together his council to be able to adopt a singular theology. A lot of that came from here. So when we hear of the Nicene Creed, a lot of the Nicene Creed was developed here in Africa. So yeah, you're right. It was not influenced by Western missionaries, but this really started before Western missionaries was even a concept. Absolutely. It's much older than our churches are and has also endured uh, very different circumstances and often very challenging circumstances. And uh, that's also a very um, touching thing. We want to find out how, how, this, uh, how this church has been able to, to survive so many centuries uh, and it would be lovely if we could get to speak to some of the people and also ask how their families have been influenced, how they personally are influenced in their day-to-day lives by, um, by their faith and also by their history. Now, our listeners are not familiar with you. Could you give a little bit of your background, a little bit, uh, you know, who you are and, and, and introduce your, your father as well? Because we're going to be traveling together for the next couple of days. So it would be good to kind of uh, know a little bit about you and just so that they, they can feel they, that as you are experiencing the churches here, people will understand where those experiences kind of originate, the eyes that are seeing them, the introduction. Uh, so you were, where were you born and, and just kind of the, the mission uh, track that God has led you on? Um, I was born in the city of Amsterdam. Uh, I was born in, inside a rehabilitation center, which was a Christian place where people that were addicted to alcohol and drugs could come and, uh, and recover um, my father was working there, heading that up, and um, as a family, we've always been very much involved with this kind of ministry. When I grew, uh, I, I knew that, that my future would also be in, in ministry work, but I had no idea where. Um, I first of all came to the UK, and I worked with Operation Mobilization for a while, and that really opened my eyes to, to the rest of the world, and... Uh, I mean, that sounds like almost like you were born into missions and continued on into missions. More or less. And how did you get involved in the the work that you were doing in Amsterdam when your daughter was born? Well, <clears throat> it was kind of surprising thing. I was look, I, I I was called by the Lord, but I didn't know what I had to do, where I had to go. And then, well, on a conference, the people were speaking about. Um, this uh, rehabilitation center, and uh, they had a, uh, the look for workers, and I went there, and um, I came there, and when I started working there, I was very sure that's what the Lord meant. And, well, I did it for 43 years. 43 years. So 43 years you have been working with people that are in the hardest part of their life in Amsterdam. So you're working a lot with, like, addicts, you're, we, we sat down for this Ethiopian meal and we were looking at the different um, foods there and your daughter had asked, um, what, are you going to eat something traditional? And your response was, no, I have that all the time, mainly because you're working with people from all over the world there in Amsterdam. Well, that's, that's different. Well, at the moment, the last years, my work changed a bit to uh, refugees. 
And you said, well, you ask me, is it the first time you come to Ethiopia? Yes. But before that, Ethiopia, and especially Eritrea, came to us. So we, I met them. I see them every day, and I, we talk, and I try to learn and to learn and help a little bit. So the refugees that you've been working with recently largely come from where? Uh, from Syria and um, Eritrea and also from Iran and Iraq. Yeah. Mm. We had, uh, happy enough, we had a person from Iran living with us for a year and a half. And he, he, learned, us, he learned us a lot. Yeah. Mm. He too. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so now that you've arrived here in Ethiopia, what are some of the things that you are looking forward to seeing? I mean, we've traveled quite a ways from Addis Ababa um, to be able to see the Rakhun churches here. What are, what are some of the things that you're expecting? Well, I, I have another love, and that's Israel. And I'm, yeah. Which is interesting because they call this the Israel of Ethiopia. We're yeah, staying yeah. at a hotel called yeah, Jerusalem yeah, Hotel, yeah. eating in a restaurant called Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've, I've, it feels very uh, home. But I, the relation between Ethiopia and Israel and with Jewish people, I'm very interesting. And I, uh, there is a lot of relation because, well, there's, of course, the famous story from uh, the Queen of Seba. And, but earlier even, Moses had a wife from Ethiopia and we know from Acts 8 of course uh, but but how they took a lot of Israel like circumcision they have uh, Sabbath they fear they have Sunday and Sabbath they have like well I just told they wash their hands before me like Jewish people do and many many things so they have yeah. these these connections with the the Jewish people yeah. which is so fascinating one of the friends that i work very closely with um his family uh, is able to get uh israeli citizenship because they are considered to be jews even though they were born and raised in ethiopia their entire lives yeah. that they, this it, they're they're from here mm-hmm. so you were saying queen of sheba uh, you were going back to Ab- uh, to Abraham's wife. You started to point out some of the... Oh, I'm sorry, Moses' wife, yes. So you pointed out to Moses' wife, and then you were also talking about the New Testament uh, connection with yeah. Ethiopia and the Jewish people. Yeah, there is very much. But how does it... Uh, uh, um, translate. Translate into relation with Israel now. And then you see, for instance... in. In 1948, uh, uh, Ethiopia didn't vote for the state Israel, not not against Israel. They didn't uh, like. They abstained. Um, yeah, they abstained. Like so, I, I'm. My thing is, I like to discover how how they have many Jewish things, but how do they relate to the Jewish people? Mm. That's that's what I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see that as well. Uh, one of the things that strikes me, one of the reasons I come here is that as we follow in the footsteps of, of revival, mm-hmm. the one portion that we come to in the Bible in Acts 8 is where we see that Philip mm-hmm. sees a eunuch from Ethiopia. And he is told by God to approach the carriage where the eunuch is sitting and reading from Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And as he's reading from Isaiah, reading about the Messiah... Um, Philip asks him, do you understand what it is that you're reading? He said, of course, I mean, how can I understand unless somebody tells me what, you know, what is here? 
It says that he was the um, the the eunuch for the queen of Ethiopia, the queen of um, uh, Catherine, and they called her different names, but mm-hmm. um, the the queen of Ethiopia. From there, we can we can see two things: one, an Ethiopian eunuch that has somewhat of a of influence. Um, receives the gospel and is baptized. The other thing that we see is that he was already reading from the Judaic writings. Yeah. So, um, and, and he's not considered to be the, the first uh, Gentile that was baptized. I mean, that that is usually crowned on Cornelius, mm-hmm. that it, the first Gentile that comes to Christ. So we can see him as what we call a God-fearer, or at least somewhat the, a, a, Jew, a Jewish ancestry, mm-hmm. um, because so many people had come to Jerusalem for the festivities uh, in the city. So there is a Jewish heritage that goes back quite a ways. Now, according to the Ethiopians, from what I've read, Many people believe that when the Queen of Sheba came back, she had a son from Solomon. And that later on, um, items from the temple were brought to Ethiopia. And I find it fascinating that some of the things that I've read and, and seen about here in Ethiopia, I've been to Ethiopia several times, but never to this area. I've always wanted to come here, but I've only made it to the capital working with the Orthodox Church or the, the underground church. And one of the things that I've always wanted to see is where do these, these customs come from? Because the, um, the, the priests, Will wear breastplates yeah. that rep- that are very similar to what we see of the Levites, and they do practices and they quote scriptures very some similar. Of prayers, some of the prayers are very common to the Jewish uh, liturgy. Yeah. yeah, but another thing as well is that uh, Ethiopian people were at Pentecost in Jerusalem. Yes, and that's a big thing as well yeah. because they got the Holy Spirit. Yes, and went home. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. When I began to study the Pentecost, just last year, I've always thought of the Pentecost as an event for Christians. Mm-hmm. I never really thought of it as a Jewish event. It never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was actually a huge Jewish event that brought so many Jews from around the known world at that time to Jerusalem to celebrate the first uh, harvest of the cereals. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was that time that was directly... Um, uh, Based off of the fifty, or after the the, the so many days after the um, the the Passover, so it was right in line with the Jewish festivals, the Jesus being crucified on the Passover, and then the the the, the Holy Spirit coming at the rejoicing of because the the day of Pentecost is a rejoicing holiday where people are dancing and celebrating. Um, so the people that were there, including the Ethiopians, on the day of Pen- Pentecost, mm-hmm. were there to celebrate the Jewish holiday yeah. of the Pentecost, which means that they have had some sort of Jewish heritage that brought them so far for that pilgrimage. Yeah. Well, they, some say some people say that here in Ethiopia they were almost more or less Jewish before yeah. they became before they became Christians. Actually, I was just reading about this in the <clears> plane <throat> when we came up, and it says here that 
uh, Irenaeus, who was one of the church fathers around uh, 180 AD, he writes that this, this Ethiopian eunuch who came back to Ethiopia, he preached the good news in his homeland, outlining also the theme of his preaching as being the coming in the flesh of the one God that was preached to you all before. So strongly suggesting that the Ethiopians were aware of the God of Israel, that many of them served him, uh, but that uh, the good news uh, came here that it was he had come in the flesh, the same God. And Which is a very big thing here at Christmas. Uh, God came in the flesh. I think it's the biggest uh, thing they celebrate here in um, Ethiopia. The first thing that I was confronted <clears throat> with when I arrived is the fact that <clears throat> there was a sign that said, Happy New Year, year 2010. Well, it's 2017 for the rest of the world. And when I see that, I'm, I'm a little bit reminded of, um, uh, Iran and their Nowruz. They have their Nowruz holiday, so they have a different, uh, year. Um, the Muslims with their connection to Muhammad and they have a different year. Um, the Koreans and their ca- connection with Kim Il-sung, they have a different year. So all these different places have, you know, a different year. So I thought, where does this come from? This 2010. And they go off of a different calendar that suggests just a few years before the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they celebrate the birth of Christ um, right at New Year's. And so that is their continual New Year's at 2010. That is the, the year that it turns over. And they also, I saw that they have 13 months, not 12. Mm-hmm. So they have these, they have 13 months of the year. And throughout this podcast, um, it's going to be done, done a little bit different. This is going to be a bit of a special podcast um, because as we learn things, we're going to stop and the three of us are just going to talk about what it is that we are discovering because I think this is something that the entire church needs to know about because when we think of Africa as a continent, I think many of us automatically think of it as a a place where we need to send missionaries, that a place that has never heard the gospel, a place that is poor and and needs um, the gospel to be brought. But it was actually this land that we see so much of the shaping of what we now understand as our Christian faith. And so stay tuned with us. Follow us for the next couple of days on this special podcast as we explore revival as well as Judaism in Ethiopia. Thank you so much for joining us again for a special Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Ethiopia. God bless.